Tiff, we have a conundrum. I don't get the... Well, I, I will say that in college, when I started drinking, one day, I had... I think... I can't remember what it was in response to. It was probably after I had gone to uh, the hospital for alcohol poisoning, as one does Okay. At, in college, uh, especially when you're rushing a fraternity, as I was. Uh, and my dad just texted me, I stopped drinking because when I was 23, or I don't remember the age... Uh, I woke up and had the shakes. Hmm. And it was a very... Now I know that that was the most loving way he could say, maybe you should stop doing this. <laughs> but, but it was sort In of... his own way. It was out of context. I remember I got it at a party and I was like, eh, whatever. Um, so I've never had that. And Wait, when did, you, when did you start drinking? Like, how old were you? I was uh, 17. It was So I didn't drink in high school, but I started drinking the summer before college. Okay. Yeah. So uh, 17, uh, drinking for you is mine nicotine. Like that's when smoking was introduced into my life. Yeah. Was around the same time. And you can see how it's an issue for me mm-hmm. with nicotine. Right. And I'm telling you like alcohol is not an issue because I started drinking alcohol when I was 28 or 27. Oh, yeah. That was way at the end. How old are you now? I'm at, at the end of your life? 29. 28, yes. 27. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was like way at the end. Yeah. When it was coming to a final. Yeah. I think that, that's and that's why I've never, I've never smoked a cigarette mm. because I know that if I did, I would likely get pretty addicted to them okay. um but yeah with like i did dry january this year and that's probably the longest i've gone without drinking and it was not it's like it's not hard it's a little bit annoying when i'm like i am not going to drink today and then i'm like i would really like something's annoying me it's it would be nice work. to have a drink but i always feel so much there i will regularly be like man i feel great today why do I feel so great? And then I realized, oh, it's because I didn't drink yesterday. Let's go ruin it. Yeah. Is my next thought. It's like, oh, I feel so good today. It's because I haven't drink. Look at all the energy I have. Let's go drink. Mm. Like, that, it's almost the, the, the feeling of I'm feeling great. I can't sit in it for too long. I have to drown it with either alcohol or weed, uh, nicotine, food, sugar, whatever. Yeah. But celebrate, like me feeling good is a celebration to doing bad things mm. to put me back into the cycle and repeat. I think I used to have that. And now I'm more like, you know, this isn't going to last forever. It probably won't last for the rest of the day. The good feeling? Yeah. Okay. So just enjoy it while it is here. Try Do whatever you actually want to do with it. And, you know, if that means... Going and having a drink, that means going and having a drink. If that means getting some work done, that means getting some work done or going for a run or whatever. So I've gotten better at not um, getting in my own way when I'm having, when I'm feeling good about things. Oh, how, what do you mean? Uh, like I, the way that you're, what you were just describing, I think I, I used to be more towards that. Like if I was feeling good, then I would immediately say, but obviously, you know, it's all going to go away soon. Or I, I, I would, I would. I have gotten much better at just like enjoying when things feel good. Hmm. It's not coming from a place of let's maybe let's ruin it. I, I said it in a in a way that didn't mean what it feels like. It's almost like let's enhance it. Let's enhance the feeling good mm. by the drinking and the thing. But it's almost the the blindness to the full image. Like I don't see the cycle of well, if you enhance it now you're going to feel worse later. Right. I almost don't see that because I have this dumb, this is very nice that I'm talking about this right now, because I have this like dumb perspective of being indestructible, of being like, oh yeah, 
normal people can smoke three bowls of weed and just completely be incoherent, but I'm just smoking weed every day and it's nothing. I feel fine. Mm -hmm. So within that feeling is where I forget the side effect. And when the side effect happens, I'm like, oh, I'm depressed. I just need to sleep. And then you wake up the next day and repeat. And um, again, weed is easier than alcohol, which is a problem because it's also easier to abuse it throughout the day. Easier how? Alcohol, you at a certain point, if you abuse it, you'll go to bed. Like the night will end, the right. day will end. Right, right, and right. you'll feel severe consequences the next day if you, and I've had these days, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that I'm better than anyone else. Yeah. I had days where I would buy the bottle of vodka on Monday and then on Wednesday I'm buying another one. Mm -hmm. So, but great, like at the end of it, uh, I forgot my point. <laughs> um, I, I think, well, the, what you were saying reminded me that another thing for me is that I, I'm 35, I absolutely should have started getting really bad hangovers, like anywhere between mm. five and 10 years ago, based on how all of my friends, ha oh, my peers have uh, responded to it. Uh, but I just really don't get hungover. Like I, or, or rather, it takes a lot for me to get hungover. And even I went to a, a friend's birthday party on Saturday and it was it started in the afternoon. We were drinking and having a fun time all day. I was drinking for like 10 hours. And so I felt it the next day, but feeling it for me didn't mean pounding headache, can't get out of bed. Mm. It meant like, oh, I feel a little like zonked. I feel a little emotion, like more emotional hangover than physical hangover. And that makes it also a little bit harder to say, oh, not gonna do it yeah. today because I know I will, I likely will be okay tomorrow. And I think there is like what I'm trying, one of my epiphanies this, this week was I'm, I, I used to be 240 pounds and I stumbled upon the pictures of myself when I was 240 pounds. It's me sitting inside a room that used to be a bathroom and I'm sitting there playing World of Warcraft. Um, uh, How recently was it a bathroom? This, oh, that was like 15 years ago. It's not it's, like earlier today it was a bathroom, but now it's my World of Warcraft dungeon. <laughs> yes, that's how I want to, uh, uh, MM, MMORPG. Uh -huh. No, it was my, like when I moved to my mom's place, she didn't have a room. So she turned the bathroom into a room. Mm. So like literally my bed was the bathtub. Over it, we constructed like uh, oh, wow. a wooden thing and she put this and became a bed. So the bathtub was still there? The bathtub was still there. It had the toilet in it. Could you accidentally knock the faucet and turn on the water in the middle of the night? No, we had the, the main lines connected, but I was using all the soap, to like the soap, you know, the things that you put the soap in? Uh -huh. I was using those to put my phone. Like it's, it was convenient. The, I was smoking cigarettes all day and the, my room had a fan in it that was taking <laughs> the air out. Like who else would uh, need anything more than that? Right. But like the theme here is I feel is that I would, in the time when things are easy, I would take them for granted and say, I'll do it later until the constraints of life come and it makes it even harder. Oh, if I could have started two weeks ago when things were easier, like now with exercise, I need to exercise because I'm afraid that my knees are going to fall off mm. or like my, but if I don't exercise for two weeks, my knees are still fine. But when like I can't wait and like what I do every time is I wait until things get really bad and then start having discipline and see like, oh, well, if I only used my time that I had in Egypt, if I only had the, used the time that I had when I, when my health was better, 
if I only use the time I had when I was living with my mom for 11 years without paying rent mm-hmm. or car insurance, I was like, oh, I'm comfortable. Let me stay. Let me stay. It's fine. Tomorrow will come. Another day will come. Yeah. And uh, like I go back and forth and thinking is whether the fact that we feel invincible is a way for you to see the lesson. See, like you, you stayed invincible. You didn't get the same hindrance that normal people would have after a strong night of drinking because they would quit. Right. But for you, you would stay like, no, I, it didn't affect me. I'm not hurt. I'm not going to quit now. But then balance will happen and then things will get bad and you would have to quit while normal people were still doing moderation. Yes, it's definitely harder for me to be moderate with a lot of things. Uh, but drinking is definitely one of them. I, for whatever reason, I feel more in power over like the, like I have power over whether I can drink in moderation now more than I have in the past. But also part of that is just letting go and sometimes saying, you know what, tonight, instead of, Mm. instead of the one drink that I said I was going to have, I might have three or four. I'm not, that's not going to, over the course of the night, you know, if I have if I have uh, one or two drinks with dinner, and then later on, my girlfriend and I are watching Netflix as the Diplomat. Uh, <laughs> Shout out! <thank laughs> but this podcast is brought to you by <laughs> Harry Russell. Um, then I might have another another drink or two, and it's like that feeling much less like I have to stop and and keep it to what exactly my plan was makes me feel like I'm able to be. Uh, more moderate hmm. rather rather than like okay you know what i'm gonna have a nightcap every night during the week but i'm only gonna have one drink monday through friday that if i do that then saturday i'm going crazy i'm letting loose. and so that i talked to my therapist about this a lot i think it's sort of the flip of what you're talking about or maybe exactly the same thing but like i have things that will really help my mental health and routines that will make me feel like I'm not doing it right now, but like morning pages, like journaling type of stuff, meditating every day, um, exercising every day, whatever it is, I recognize that when I do them every day and I keep that routine, it makes me feel so much better. Yes, but why can't you stick to it? But until that point where I, there's one day where, oh, oh shit, I have a, you know, an early coffee with a friend. I can't do my morning pages today. Or, oh, I was going to, I forgot to meditate. And then it all falls apart so it's not about not being able to stick to it for me for me it's about allowing myself to take a break from it and saying it's not about the streak it's not about it's not like mm-hmm. snapchat where it's like oh 300 day or i mean i'm and a lot of these you know like the meditation app i use does gamify this stuff and, and it's that's because that's what gets us to do it but it does make you feel uh like you know duolingo when you're trying if you're trying to learn a new language on duolingo it literally sends you a text that says, you made Duo sad. Duo is the owl mascot. Oh my God. And so what I'm working through right now is trying to use all of those things to help me, but not let them control me the way that they have in the past. You're right. And um, like a lot of the problems OCD people have comes from this black and white thinking of it's either you fall in or you fall out. There is nothing in between. And a big challenge for me was to play the balance of, no, it's fine. You don't have to do like a complete sobriety thing. But for example, it shouldn't be at home. You know what I mean? Like if I'm gonna do something fun, 
outside, that's a different story than when I have it at home. It's the same, I have the same problem with ice cream. Mm. If there is ice cream in the fridge, it's gonna be finished. If I'll take one and then two and then four, it's, it's not, it's not really, you can see the pattern. It's not really about the X substance. Right. It's just the behavior of the marshmallow test of I can't stop. Yeah. It just uh, more, more, more. If it didn't hit a certain mark, I would need to up the dosage. Oh, then I'll take another hit. Oh, that they I'll do another shot. Mm-hmm. I'll take another ice cream. Uh, so it's the and but it's very it's very fascinating to me. It's I have the same dilemma of like the either I become consistent even if it's something light. Like a lot of times I feel that we overburden ourselves with what we need to stick to, and then you burn out. Right. But even when I do little, like even when I say, okay, I'm just gonna do five push-ups, five minutes of meditation, just try to ease it. If I stick to it for one week, I need a day that is no rules. Uh, like it's almost like a, I'm trying to make up for me staying disciplined. Then, oh, let's break, let's, same, same tree of let's drink. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I've been good and my reward is to be bad. But that also might be, because there is something to be said for just rest and like even if yeah even if you're just doing five push-ups and meditating for five minutes and that does feel like that's not a lot but you it's not like a negative thing to say now i'm gonna have a day where i do whatever i want it's like uh even even having that that tiny oh i gotta do five push-ups today like that for me like is a big it's sort of like looms large in my mind yeah. and so it's less about oh my body needs to rest from doing five push-ups every day for a week and more about my mind needs to rest from thinking you have something you have to do today and so it's nice to just have a day where you don't have to do anything mm. and that's not bad but i understand feeling that way and it's uh, still hard still like i'm i'm now in a phase where i'm taking a break and uh, it's hard i did not enjoy the break and the break is over and <laughs> back to work and I'm like, well, if I can only take one more day, and I know exactly what I'm gonna do in the one more one more day, exactly what I've done in the last week, which is a bunch of nothing and um, worrying about the things I should do, and being dragged from one thing to another, like like you said, like the line you said about, oh, I'm I'm gonna wake up and write my morning pages, but if the phone rings, my entire life is upside down. Right. Like I can't. I, there's no coming back to the schedule now. Yeah. Like, oh no. It's, time for the other thing and the other thing leads to the other thing today like i almost uh, had to like a kid like put marshmallows on the floor so that i can take the trash out mm-hmm. because and that becomes very hard because i i did comedy this week so i can't do comedy and do the dishes right one or the other yeah you have the same yeah i when things build up uh, it makes it much harder to do. Like I've been doing a lot of laundry recently because for weeks I didn't, I just I just let the laundry pile up and it was just the pile of clean clothes that I was pulling from and then, oh, this is all wrinkly, da, da, da. And so now I'm in the, okay, once the hamper is half full, toss the load in. Try to make it as little of a thing as possible. Um, I know that at some point, that's going to go away. And and I'm also doing dishes when I see the dishes need to be done immediately. And, but it's that same thing where it's like, that is, that needing to sort of like clear the boards is like looming large mm. in my mind. And right now it's not 
completely overpowering me right now it's healthy i know that at some point around the corner in a day an hour or a week it's going to be too much and then i'm going to let it all pile up again and i think for me part of it is just like saying that's okay <laughs> that's the i i just read this book called four thousand weeks hmm. um and it is called four thousand weeks because four thousand weeks is about 80 years and so that's how many weeks we have roughly for a lot, you know, some people have more, some people have less, but you can assume that you will have about 4,000 weeks to live. Uh, and it's, it's very much about, uh, like it's, I mean, it is about time management, but it's, I think the, the subtitle is like the mortal's guide to time management. Mm -hmm. And it's like something about just like, you have to just let some things, it's all about letting go basically. Um, and the crux of it is that once you're able to let go, then you're not spending so many of your 4,000 weeks figuring out how to optimize and do it all right. You're spending them doing the stuff that you can do. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I struggled with scarcity mentality and money, and I almost have the same thing with time. It's that, yeah, you saying 4,000 uh, weeks, it literally makes it more of like, oh my God, there's so little. Like, yeah. what are we, I, that's, that's basically one career. Like, what am I, how mm-hmm. am I going to figure my music career and my <laughs> uh, uh, astronomy career? Like, how is that going to happen? Uh, and again, that's the hard part for me is I know exactly what you're saying, but I also know myself and I know how much time I waste, at least from that perspective. And the dichotomy of having both at the same time and forgiving myself is very challenging. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm every single day I would wake up and be like, nope, something else needs to change this. Uh, I have to take maybe, maybe uh, if I shift my schedule to a different way and not worry about times, but you have to make money. You have to pay rent. You have to go to a show. You have to talk to people on the phone just for social things. Um, struggles. Wait, tell me about your OCD. Like what is your OCD? What's the theme of your OCD? Well, it's interesting because I got diagnosed when I was 11 and I have talked to therapists about it since then, but that was really when I did all my sort of talking specifically about an OCD diagnosis that that person was giving me. And that was, I was very, uh, and I, I will, I've written a lot of jokes about this. And so I'm going to try not to go into the joke, uh, while I'm telling it, but like the big things were um, like locks, like there were classic, there were the classics, you know, I, I would check the locks on the front door. So like I had to check the doorknob, like twist lock to make sure that, and then I had to separately test the deadbolt. So unlock the doorknob, check the deadbolt and see that the deadbolt worked. And then I had to try them together. But then now that I'm trying them together, I really only know that the knob is working. So let me unlock the knob again to check the deadbolt Mm. and like, just keep going until my dad yelled at me to go to, to go to bed. Um, and I don't know what I was, what or who I was scared would come in. I did have a very, it almost just felt like I could see figures. Like I wasn't actually, see, but like when I thought about it, I was imagining just sort of like shadowy figures. Uh, and I didn't know who or what they were, but I was like, it's the, they, they might come. How old were you when you saw the like 10, figures? 10 or 11. And I didn't, I wasn't seeing, I wasn't hallucinating. But when somebody said, wait, Julian, why are you actually, what are you worried about? What's going to, who are you worried is going to come in right now? And I think it was basically that my, I was trying to think and I, 
I couldn't actually picture anyone because there was no actual fear that anyone would come in. And so my brain was just kind of like doing its best to be like, here's some kind of them. And I'm like, who's them? I don't know. Mm. Um, and I would not sleep with covers for a while because I... Wait, wait, let's, before we get into yeah. the covers. Is the locks thing still a thing now? Not really. Uh, I, I got so good at not worrying about that, even when it was a thing that I felt worried about, that I think I'm almost like a little too lax about it. Like this morning I was, I walked out to find coffee or, or I w went out to get coffee and I couldn't find my keys. My girlfriend was still sleeping. I left the door unlocked. I <laughs> like, technically you probably shouldn't uh, leave the front door unlocked while a woman is sleeping in an apartment um, completely unawares. Uh, but I do that frankly a lot Okay. <laughs> and, or not a lot, but like, you know, maybe once a month I can't find my key and I'm like, I'm going around the block. I'll, I'll be back. Oh, so um, you didn't forget. Like this wasn't like, Oh, I forgot to lock it. No, I was just like, I can't find, the, can't key. find the key. Oh, wow. Okay. I don't think anybody's going to walk in. I'll be back in 15 minutes. And to some degree, that's rational to say, you know what? I don't think there's going to be a break in right here. And I'm literally going a five minute walk away. Uh, but it's also a little bit negligent and it's definitely not something I would have done back then partially because i was 10 and i didn't have a girlfriend uh but i i would have been like so fixated on it yeah um so there are still things that like i'll think about oh shit did i did i leave a burner on wait wait again the part where you got over you're still lax about it like you going from i need to make sure that the deadbolt is locked so i'll unlock the other key and test it on its own right to going to hey my girlfriend is sleeping i'm gonna leave the key and leave that's a huge transformation you can just say that in one sentence and move to the next topic right 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 okay i mean also that so like, that was that with therapy that's that over 25 years Oof. um uh yes it was therapy I was, so I, I saw a therapist when i was 11 and i was prescribed zoloft which I was on for, I don't remember how long, but I think less than a year. Like it was not super, super long. Um, and I think that helped. And, and, I, and I know that a lot of people have, have trouble with being and like very legitimate difficulties with being over-medicated as a child. And I, I think I got lucky in that I, it was being used for this specific thing in the specific time where that thing was really bad like i had always been an anxious child and that it just felt like that had gotten much worse yeah um again ocd is just the the sherry on top of the cake of anxiety like yeah. it's really it you wouldn't have the sherry without the cake right so uh, i'm glad you got something for anxiety because any other issues that might have appeared with it like adhd or or depression or anything else fixing the anxiety first would have been the right, even if it just took your level down from uh, uh, like red, th red alert down to orange threat. Yeah. You were being, the therapist can work with you. Right. Easier than before. And I think that's what it did. And it's, and I'm not going away from that because I think this is the same thing, but like I, my most recent like really big like OCD flare up was around air travel. And I've always, I've gone back and forth about like being totally chill with air travel and being 
like in college when I called my or whenever I would fly home from college, I would call my grandparents right before I got on the plane because I was like, I'm going to die in this plane crash. Let me say I love you one more time. But it was also so casual because I I think I also was just like, I've lived this life of fear for so long. I just have to go along with this reality that everyone else believes in, even though I know in my heart it's not real. And their reality, the outside reality is real, not the, the fear reality. But in that moment, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to die on this plane. Might as well say I love you to my grandparents one more time. And it hadn't been that bad in my adult life. And then a few years ago, it was like, I think it was, I was like 27, 28, a ton of weddings, ton of friends' weddings were happening. So I was flying all the time. And I just like had like three or four flights in a row that were very turbulent. And it just changed something in me. And I had a friend's wedding in the UK. And for like three or four months before that flight, I would spend hours a day having panic attacks, thinking about Mm -hmm. how my plane's going to go down over the ocean. And, and if, and if it doesn't, if I make it to the UK and I survive, then definitely on the way back, Of course, like I have a 0% chance of survival. Uh, and it's almost like you're trying to find what's going to scare you in the situation, not that the situation scares you. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost the brain is backwards. Yeah. You're like, oh, what's going to scare me in this? And then you find it. And then you're like, then this, let's fix it on this. Mm-hmm. As opposed to normal people where they're like, nothing, not afraid. And then an incident happens that scares them. Right. So it's like almost the cause and effect is reversed for us. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a great way of putting it. And I think that, yeah, it's, and I, I mean, it's the obsessive side of it also. It's because like, I would, you know, I would read about that. I, rem- I think it was also the um ethiopia airlines crash that happened in like 2018 or whatever the i've never heard of it, it was a it, I, I could go too in depth about it because i read a bunch about it but there were two basically like we don't know why these crashes happened they were new planes every and it it turns out that there was some sort of misunderstanding of how like new pilots were being trained on this new technology and they were pulling up when they should have just been letting oh, the plane okay, do actually, its I thing heard of that now. yeah okay and um, so I just thought about those. I just found that so terrifying. And there's some narcissism also in it and being like, you know, air travel is the most safe tra- mode of transportation, but I'm going to be the one who dies in a crash. Yeah. Um, and so basically my, my doctor after COVID, which the only real positive for COVID for me was that or like the silver lining was that I didn't have to worry about air travel in the future. And so for whatever, a year and a half, I was like, oh, I, I'm not, who knows? I might never have to fly again. And that was really nice. And so when things were opening back up, I talked to my doctor. He prescribed me what my friends who are doctors have told me is probably a placebo level amount of Ativan, just like the tiniest possible amount. And I started taking that whenever I fly. And it has completely, like, I still have friends who will like check in on me. Like I, I went to a wedding a couple months ago and a friend had it was at santa fe so it's like a windy landing hmm. and he he was on a flight a couple hours before and he was like apparently he was like sh- like talking to his wife like should i tell julian it was like bumpy and like he was like worried i was like people are worrying about my worrying that's oh hilarious um and i'm and i appreciate that but i also do feel it was really really bad like 2018 to 2020 whatever my my flying anxiety was probably one of the most debilitating anxieties I've ever felt. And now it's like, I get a little bit nervous, but I'm flying to my, I'm going to my cousin's wedding this weekend. I'm not thinking about that right now. Okay. And even when I get on the plane, it won't be, I won't be worried. 
and if you got nervous, the, you go through the routine of as if you're calling your grandma, you just call the people you're going to and tell them the plane is going to crash, or is it still less than that now? I never told my grandma the plane's going to crash. I was just saying, because <laughs> <laughs> I think that would have worried her. Um, no, it, it's sort of the same thing with the locks, where I'm like, there is probably a part of me that still feels that way, but I've just, I'm able to overpower mm. it with logic more than I was able to before like it's i've got you know it's like the two wolves meme like i've got the the one wolf inside me that is that is sure that the plane is going to go down and the other one is like allowing him it, it, and also it goes back to the letting myself let loose or letting yourself rest is like let myself worry rather than trying to stop the worry yeah, yeah. um and know that i have had these worries i've been sure that it's going to happen and it hasn't happened so if i'm sure it's going to happen now I can't trust that person because that person was sure that so many other planes were going to go mm. down and they didn't go down. My, my new motto with OCD is it's not true now. Like whatever is scaring you, I tell myself it's not true now. Like right now, the plane, it didn't crash. Right. I'm in the plane right now and it's fine. Yeah. Like I, one of my OCDs is that I'm going to get into a horrific accident and I'll be paralyzed. Mm -hmm. I will never move again. Yeah. And I would think about it. Like what accident is going to make this? Right. What is it? Is it me slipping on a kitchen? Is mm -hmm. it me while a car? What? And I, it, it, I'm not going to go outside now because I'm afraid something is going to happen if I get into the car. But I tell myself, it's not true now. Yeah. Like, uh, yes, it will, it will suck if it happened, but it's not true now. Mm -hmm. So I can't be paralyzed by what is not, didn't happen yet. Right. We're these very bad psychics. We're these psychics who are very confident that we know what's about to happen. Yeah. And yet we have an almost 0% success rate. And um, we, like you said, logic, right? So the logic that is in your head is, is true 100%, but you also ignore the logic of, look at how many people are getting into the planes. Look at how many flights yeah. went through and nothing fell. Mm -hmm. But it's almost, you don't want to focus on this because you're scanning for the fears. Right. A lot of times I would wake up, you have OCD of multiple themes, so you'd know exactly what I'm talking about, is that you wake up in the morning and then you have the feeling of anxiety and OCD, and then you start looking for what is it? What is it? What happened yesterday? that is making me feel this way. And, and then when I find it, I'm like, oh, it's this. Rumination, rumination, rumination. It's, it's again, it's like the ice cream. Yeah. It's the same idea. It's, you know you're gonna take the ice cream. The cycle of guilt that comes with it is also, is very parallel right. to what's happened with OCD. And I think that's the, sort of what you were talking about with like, I'm gonna ruin it, or like not, the but, but that feeling of like, oh, I feel great right now. There is that, that sense of like, oh, I feel so good right now. I must be forgetting something. Mm. Let me think about what I'm missing. Oh, that's so true. And it's probably out of, uh, from a place of like, let me make sure that I'm still on top of stuff. But it really is, you're looking for, what's the thing that I'm going to worry about that I didn't need to worry mm. about? And what is it like, if you're not on top of things, what does that mean? Like, what is, how does, uh, for me, sometimes I'm not on top of my stuff is, and again, it's a struggle to not take it to that wood. To, to that darkness, but a lot of times I'm like, it takes on to my self-worth. I'm like, yeah, but you're not taking care of this. You didn't take out the trash. Like, look at this, it's kind of, uh, the dishes are here. And it almost the same way, like you were telling me when you have a thing to do, you carry it and the burden of carrying it becomes so exhausting that after you do it, you're like, I need a break. I need, my brain needs to break off of this. It's almost the same, like I almost feel the same way of that I, I 
I would carry the burden of the thing, even though it's so small. And that becomes the exhausting part. Yes. And I, I don't know if you have any tricks for this, but like that's one of my biggest struggles right now is how to reduce the weight of uh, dishes on my life. Like it feels, today I looked at my AC and I was like, oh my God, winter is coming. I need to clean the air filter. And like, I was like, oh, when will death come? <laughs> like, it's, it's, when do I have time to put my, to put soap in my soap dispensers? Are you crazy? Who have time for this? Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's ADHD or if OCD or what exactly. I mean, I do have those things where they snowball where it's one tiny thing where it's like, oh, I got to text that person back. And it's a, it's a silly little text. Uh, but if I wait too long that I'm like, oh, I, now I have to sort of apologize when I text them back. So mm-hmm. now I have to think about how I'm going to, uh, text them and then I'm spending so much time on that I forget or not I forget to but I know oh I have to do this other thing I have to respond to this email I have to and part of it is just saying do the bad version and doing the bad version can mean send the text without the apology or take 30 seconds to write the text and force yourself to send it Uh, or do one dish like doing one dish is the bad version of doing dishes and that for me tends to sort of at least neutralize, if not reverse the momentum mm. so that I'm like, oh yeah, I, I, that was easy. Mm-hmm. I could do one more. Um, or I'll, I'll do another one tomorrow. Um, I'm trying the timer method right now, mm-hmm. which is I bought a timer, physical timer that I would put out and be like, I'm going to do dishes for two minutes. Yeah. Bam. Two minutes, whatever dishes in my hand is done, I put it, I'm done. I m- move away and do something else. But like you said, I wake up every day with the best intentions. Like I'm going to do the dishes from 9.50 to 9.52, right. and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> then somebody calls me and then here I am. But does the, is the timer method helping? It's a little better because my time, my feeling of time is not right. Like I don't, I, I, I don't value, t- if time was money, I'm rich. Mm. I'm rich and I don't have any idea that there are poor people. I'm like, yeah, here, here's five minutes here, 10 minutes here, an hour here, who cares? Yeah. And then I would realize, oh my God, I have to be somewhere now. And then I'm so poor. I have no time in the world to even uh, like fix my hat or Mm. like tie my shoes. I'm like, run, 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 run. Uh, And really trying to work on, trying to balance that, trying to balance that in in, in my life, which is my biggest challenge. Like I think... Do you believe in reincarnation? I think it would be pretty cool, but uh, <laughs> I don't. I mean, even that question, I should be able to just say no. But if I feel like, the, then I start to say, well, I don't really, what's belief? Because uh, I'm like, I want it to be true. And maybe if I say yes, even though I don't feel in my bones that it's true, maybe that'll make it more true possibly. And that those and like that's not, it's not bothering me. To not be able to answer that, but that is that does feel like a I'm like oh I need the real truest possible mm-hmm. answer that tends towards making that a reality if possible. That is uh, that is so black and white that there is no you can't you can't have a wrong answer. Right, you have to have the right answer that aligns to the Julian methods and 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 values. Yeah. So um, <laughs> did I answer your question? You did. You <laughs> no, did. I guess I don't. No, you, yeah. you did. I'll tell you why. Yeah. Because I, um, I, like, I grew up religious. Uh, Islam doesn't have reincarnation stated out, outright. But like the idea came to us from, from India, from other cultures. And uh, it almost I treat it like positive thinking. I'm like, yeah, that would be nice. 
But then I dismissed it the same way. Like, oh, no, that's, we want to live in reality. This is, why would we be here and living this role in such belief if, if there is another life? But then uh, I've been on this weird journey that took me through like ancient uh, teachings and religions. And I almost found myself back to that same idea of reincarnation and hearing about people talking about uh, past life regressions. Have you heard of those before? I have. I don't totally know what they are. It's, oh, it's like a, they like do a reading to figure out what your no, past lives were. There's to, due to a glitch in the matrix, you'd see it a lot in kids. Kids would remember what happened to them before they die. Oh. And they would tell their parents, he's like, yo, before I was born, this happened. And there's books on this. This is not, like, it's almost to the way, to, like, there's so much evidence that I'm very surprised that reincarnation is not a thing that we all talk about. But I went down that path and I read into, into it. And my motto in life is, if you read from different sources and they're saying the same thing, then it's probably true. The idea of that before we come here, we choose every single detail of this life has been said in people who are talking about past life regressions. You choose your parents. You choose the people that annoys you. You choose the people that cuts you off. You choose, you chose your OCD. And I don't know why, but that was so freeing because it almost everything that annoyed me, I was like, oh, I chose this mm. OCD taught me so much things about myself. Like I had one of my OCDs is uh, something called SOOCD, sexual orientation OCD. Never had a gay encounter in my life, mm -hmm. but then suddenly I'm like, but what if mm -hmm. after all of this, you were gay? How would you know? And the first time that thought came to my mind and I believed it, panic attack. What, what does that mean? What does that mean about, but I've only fell for girls my entire life. Was this all a lie? And the doubt, came from a place where I now, after three years of OCD, I learned, no, my problem was that I was not allowing feminine energy into my personality. I grew in a Middle Eastern, masculine, patriarchal society, mm -hmm. where if you wear a pink shirt, you're gay, 100%. What do you mean? You pink shirt, done. <laughs> Picks it up, yes, we can tell. So I didn't learn that, no, everything is male, everything is masculine and feminine. Everything is equal, like, I mean, not equal parts, but you have both in you. Right. You can't say this is it, and I'm just going to do the masculinity part and the femininity is for girls. No, that's not right. And that's also making my version of masculinity a bit rigid. I never uh, assaulted anyone. I never did anything sexually to anyone without their consent. But at the same time, I still carry this that being masculine is disgusting. Your feelings are not allowed to be expressed because you're horny and disgusting. And mm -hmm. So it's both, like it made, it ruined my view of masculinity and made me deny my, any, any femininity in my life. Even if it was, oh my God, one time I did this, <gasps> gay. So, and again, understanding that OCD attacks what you care about. If it attacks something I don't care about, then yeah. You just flip over and do the thing that it wants and you won't care. Right. But I think that came to me for a reason. Like the, if reincarnation is real and we chose everything to learn something, then really that's a very good way to learn security. For example, in your case, like for uh, bad things will happen or you can't control the skies. You can't control the turbulence. Right. It's, it's a control issue. And a lot of my, my, a lot of OCD stems from control issues. You're trying to control 
and that was my favorite line that I would tell to my psych, uh, psychiatrist. I would tell her like, if you just let me rearrange all the molecules in the universe, we're gonna have a great time. Just <laughs> let me remake this because I can. I want to control everything. Mm-hmm. And that's it. It that it sounds like the whole idea, which I hadn't heard that version of reincarnation. That I, I had heard the version of like. You know, if you're if you're good, you get a better life next time. If you're bad, you get a worse life. But I really like this idea that you're just we're all just beings who are continuing to sort of build experiences for yeah. ourselves to try to become more enlightened. That, that's really cool. And, and it gives you that that sort of gives you that control because you are then rearranging all the molecules in the universe. And you chose to struggle with what you're struggling with mm-hmm. to learn from it and the the karma like the karma is still there like but it's not as black and white punishment it's like almost balance as well it's you in this life you've been good okay we're gonna make things easier for you here so you can learn something else it's like planning a workout kind it's, of yeah but you're you're there's no supervisor like they help you make choices but at the same time you knowing yourself like the higher self stuff the stuff that you know, yeah, Julian should have worked on this. Julian mm-hmm. should have done this. It's almost that's the person that designed your life. And um, it's like, it applies to so many things. Death. Uh, somebody died. Yeah, they finished what they came to learn and they left. We'll see them again. Bye. Right. Um, uh, disease. You'd hear people talking about how they chose to have cancer because they wanted to feel or to learn a certain something. You can't know right now, but it just makes it that, oh, this is my doing. There is no why God why. No, you're your God why. You why you why. Mm-hmm. Which uh, made me crazy a lot of times because you're walking around the house and you're like, I chose this. <laughs> I chose my parents. Are you crazy? <laughs> That's dumb. Um, what is you? Uh, I I I give you two homework an hour before the show, and I was like, here's two questions. You would uh, one of them was, what have you learned lately? Like, have you had? For me, this the resurrection, the reincarnation stuff was uh, an epiphany. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have a similar something that you discovered lately? I think the I think reading that four thousand weeks book was really, really an epiphany for me of just because it, it's all stuff that that you know or that we all know and that we all sort of talk about all the time, but really just like setting it out as like this is because you understand what a week like we feel a week uh almost more than we feel days i think Mm. because days are our days are often different for the most part a week even if you're not working or even if you're in a different place you can sort of feel there's the weekend there's the end of the week there's the week uh and 80 is such an like a perceivable amount or not 80 4000 is such a perceivable amount whereas like 80 is also but like you don't totally feel a year. I feel like I understand what a week is so much. And four thousand it's that whole like four thousand what every time I've told somebody that figure, they've been like, Oh my god, I thought it would be like a hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah. And and so it Because um, it feels like what? Like fifty two weeks is a year. So you're like four thousand of those that should sound more yeah than 80 right but it does the math the math math says they say uh and i think that really 
has helped me just not try to, because I, I was really past couple of years, I was in my sort of trying to optimize everything phase. And I felt like I could learn myself at some point where I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be able to be as uh, effective at, at something as like, I don't know, my friend, well, I just talked to him yesterday. So I think I was thinking about him, but my friend, Eric, he like, we went to college together. We were roommates. He went to business school. I'm sure he has his own, uh, things that I don't, that I'm better at than he is, but it, it does feel like he can be very efficient at like doing what he wants to do. Or my friend, Ben, who's a poet, but he is so aligned with, and again, he has his own challenges, but he is so aligned with what, uh, like when he wants to do something that also happens to be the thing that's going to make him feel good. Mm. Whereas I'm like, Ooh, I want to, I want to watch TV for two hours right now, but that's not the other thing that's going to make me feel good. And so I've always felt like I'm not going to be as optimized as those people can be. Cause it's not natural to me, but I can get what my version of optimized is and realizing that like that doesn't actually exist because it's a constant moving target and I think it's true for everyone. It's probably the people who are better at that have always known that or learned that earlier. Um, and just letting myself let things pile up. And then instead of saying, oh, God, why have I let things pile up? Say, okay, I let things pile up. That's what I needed at that time. Here, What did I do? I let things pile up. And while I was letting things pile up, I was able to do all this. Or I wasn't able to do anything because I was extremely depressed and I needed that time. And so thank you, Pyle, for allowing me to have that time. Now I'm going to work on you now that I now that I do have the space for that. that. I love that. And how do you like I love this attitude a lot, but I feel a little bit interferes with the there's only 4000 weeks. There's only 4000 weeks. Like, how do you do you when you put the 4000 weeks uh, way of thinking into combine it with that way of thinking what does that look like there i mean i think they're one and the same because i get what you're saying that there is a if you're facing a scarcity how can you allow things to go with the flow and for me i'm in a weird way at an advantage because i and probably you also i spend so much of my time i waste so much of my time um trying to figure out what the right thing to do is mm. and not actually trying to figure out makes it sound like, okay, I'm doing a, a pros and cons list. I'm actually thinking about this, but what I'm actually doing is be sitting in paralysis and not moving forward at all. And so by just letting the pile pile up and then say, okay, now, now that I have the room for either because, oh, I was, you know, I was writing a lot this week, so I let these things, or because I was really depressed this week, so I couldn't do anything. Now that I, rather than say, oh God, why did I let that happen? How can I figure out in the future to, to do this and do this? Uh, I'm letting it, I'm just letting myself move on to the next thing. And so by being able to go with the flow a little bit more and move between those two spaces, I'm cutting down on I'm giving myself so much more time within those 4,000 weeks than I would have had before. Because yeah. out of the 4,000 weeks and the way we were running them, there will be at least 1,500 weeks lost in just what to do next. Yeah. Should I do the laundry or should I do the dishes or should I do the trash or should I write? Like that's, uh, it's your right. It's just going to cut down of all of that uncertainty. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you, do you have anything to, first of all, what's your, how, can, how can people find you? 
Uh, Julian M. Stern on Instagram and TikTok. Oh, I, I'm, I'm there. We go. I was looking at the camera. Uh, Julian M. Stern on Instagram and TikTok, and I have a a weekly newsletter called the Sternal Journal. It's on Substack, <laughs> sternaljournal.substack.com. You can find all my shows there, and I write little essays and do interviews sometime. And uh, I've done it every week for three or four years so uh it's not going away okay yeah. julian thank you so much for doing this thank you for having me sam and we this podcast had an ending so we end bye